Hello and welcome to the Arrow Video Podcast, best of the year, part one. My name is Dan Martin, special effects artist and podcaster, and I am joined by my beautiful co-host. Wow, end of year treat, Sam Ashurst, and I'm a writer, I'm a director, and I'm here for our end of year special where we recommend all the movies we've enjoyed over the last 12 months. Well, not all the movies we've enjoyed over the last 12 months, like the best of the best from 2022. This is part one, where you'll get 10 to 6. Then in part two, in a fortnight, you'll get our top five of the year. But before we get started, Dan, last year, you had a very, very complicated system. Even though you have been very busy over the past couple of months, I'm sure you have stuck to that system. What is your system this year, Dan? How is it? How has it evolved or, or devolved, depending on the perspective? Well, <laughs> by and large, it's the same. Uh-huh. But what I've done is I realised that what I, the mistake I'd made with the previous system, and as you may remember, I had I ended up telling you like my gut feeling, mm-hmm. but then I put them in the order that the algorithm dictated. That's right. Because I'm a slave to the algorithm, as we all are. Yes. So I, I figured that the reason that was problematic is what I had done, initially I had weighted all of my categories as equally valuable, but that's bullshit, that's wrong. So what I did was I rated them in order of importance, and then mathematically I multiplied their score by the ranking of that category, and then I divided the cumulative score by the maximum number of points available to give me the aggregate score. But that that's also incorrect i don't hold all of the different elements of a film to a different standard of quality just in a linear line mm. so it's more organic than that mm-hmm. so so now the the the, the categories are the same mm-hmm. but the the weight put on the categories is different Ooh. so to remind you to remind you of the oh also there's an extra <laughs> there's an additional bit of maths going on in here as well oh fantastic so to, to remind you of the categories, we have uh, how fun is the film, and then we have the sad fun category, also known as the ennui category, because I love a bit of misery. And just because a film isn't traditionally fun doesn't mean I don't love it. And and now we have an overall fun category, which is, uh, and I'm putting those two things at loggerheads. So it's those two things added up and divided by two. So that's very simple. Then we have special effects, which comes in at an importance of two in the in the system. It, and this this doesn't take into account the quality of the effects. It's how much I enjoyed them. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. And and whether it had any. So yeah. if it didn't have any, it, it would score low there. But but it's also not a particularly important category. So that's a two. Then it has how earnest is it? How solid is its persistence of vision? Mm-hmm. Like as a as an overarching concept, how true to itself is it? Uh, and that's pretty high. That's a six for me. Mm. Then how then how funny is it? Again, not a be all and end all. I don't need that to. I don't need a film to be funny but again that doesn't have to be a film that doesn't have to be funny intentionally right yes of course so it's yeah but that's only a four on the system technical ability or cinematic beauty gets a gets a five mm-hmm. punches and explosions to ten <laughs> gets a three what yeah you've sold out and and shocks twists and things i learned <laughs> yes get six yeah six six all right. Why? Why six? Because well, because a sh- a, like a twist that you don't see coming. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Listen, Sam, you're never going to talk to a, a a proper giallo fan, yeah. who won't love a shitty movie because it has a great. Yeah. Twist. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, I was focusing on the things I learned aspect of that 
algorithm. Yeah, that's a that's a vestigial aspect of yeah. this. I don't know how much I factored that in this year. Okay. I don't care about. I, I like learning. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's not necessarily why I watch a slasher. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. That that that's excellent. Thank you for explaining that again. I, I will explain my system same as last year. What I did was I watched films throughout the year. And I kept a letterbox list going, like a private letterbox list. And then I added films that I enjoyed to that list. And then I reordered them into a top 10 moments before recording this. So that's how I did it. Does that all make sense? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. It's, it's a little over my head, but I get it. <laughs> In that spirit... I'm going to get started with my number 10 pick, if that's all right. Any more details? Yeah, you go right all ahead, right. sir. So I'm going to go ahead with my number 10 pick, which is Resurrection. There's so much to recommend about Resurrection. It's a woman-focused character study, of which there are several on my list this year. It's been a, a very great year for women in horror. And Rebecca Hall is astounding as a mother whose child is threatened when a demon from her past reappears in her life. The themes are fantastic, abuse, coercive control, parental love, and definitions of strength are all explored. And there are times when resurrection comes close to realising its ambition of being a modern-day birth. But sadly, Andrew Siemens is no Jonathan Glazer. If he was, this would be at the top of my list instead of at the bottom. But Resurrection is good, but not great, because it has the problem so common to modern cinema, it doesn't quite stick the landing. And actually, Dan, I would recommend a further edition next year, which is Endings, because they are really hit and miss this year. But yeah, it, it's one of the defining qualities of movies high on my list this year. There have been several great final shots in 2022, and Resurrection was disappointing on that front. So it's a taste thing as well. Maybe you'll, you'll like the ending, but it wasn't for me. So in every other respect, it is great, though. I fully, fully recommend it. There's so much to admire, not least the magnificent eight-minute monologue from Hall, which is not the only eight-minute monologue on my list this year, but Hall's, which is completely uncut, is probably the most impressive. So, yeah, endings are very important. They must be done right, or they can eclipse everything that came before. But sometimes the overall quality is enough to carry a botched conclusion, and Resurrection certainly has that. So, yeah, Resurrection number 10 of my best movies of 2022. Dan, what is your number 10 algorithmically selected best movie of uh, 2022? Well, I'm going to start off by saying I still don't think I've perfected the algorithm because <laughs> I feel like this movie should be higher up the list. <laughs> <laughs> uh, amazing. <laughs> but I was but I was tweaking this up until like 5 minutes ago. Okay, so. <laughs> okay. I just have to I just have to commit to it. We're going yeah. Uh, in at number 10, yeah. directed by Thomas M. Wright. It's The Stranger, oh. starring Sean Harris and Joel Edgerton. Did you see The Stranger, Sam? Is this is this a Western? No. No. Okay, then no. No, I didn't. <laughs> no, so The Stranger is about uh, an awkward uh, sort of drifter, played by Sean Harris. Uh, not a drifter. An, aw an, aw an awkward man who looks like a drifter, <laughs> played by Sean Harris, who meets and befriends a man on a, on a coach ride home. And through that man ends up falling in with a group of small criminals 
um and he sort of gets taken at small time like petty criminals drug runners and he ends up being taken in under the wing of joel edgerton and as the story progresses and i'm going to divulge as little as possible as the story progresses edgerton it becomes apparent that edgerton suspects that sean harris is a child murderer Mm. and it is like the the reason my system has let me down here is that this is possibly the most miserable film on the list it's so fucking bleak oh i can't wait um it's like you know how you know how australia does miserableism oh god yeah like this is this manages i would say this manages to be bleaker than snowtown holy fucking without 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 showing half as much oh wow oh i definitely have to see this yeah, yeah. Joel Edgerton has got a weirdly great taste. Like, I, I was thinking of The Gift. Oh, he really does. Thinking of The Gift this week. Like, that is a very underrated, oh, very, very great movie. That's a great movie. Yeah, excellent. Have you have you, have you seen Mr. Between? I have not, no. It's on, uh, I think it. I think Fox own it, so it, it ended up on Disney Plus, if you have that in the house. Okay. But that, there's three series of it. It's I think Edgerton's brother is the sort of creative force behind it. But it's... Uh, again it's sort of like small town it's i mean it it knows what it is mm. it knows where it lives mm-hmm. there's a bit where the characters are watching chopper and kind of laughing at it but it's so fucking good oh, okay it doesn't outstay its welcome it's finished after three seasons mm-hmm. it, it did everything it set out to do and it just wrapped it up it's so fucking good excellent that's fantastic the stranger uh that's one for my list and actually something that i'm gonna do this year is obviously now i've got vhs quest i'm in a little bit more control of of when i drop things so i'm planning on doing a second top 10 of 2022 because you know dan normally you know in the past i have uh cheated a little bit and included like 20 movies in my top 10 and i know that upset you so this year i'm not doing that i'm going to do a separate top 10 over on vhs quest I think it was 40 <laughs> uh <laughs> um but yeah i'm going to do a separate uh top 10 on vhs quest and what i'm going to do is every movie that you recommend that i haven't seen i'm going to fold into my viewing habits uh between now and when that drops so the stranger may make it into my second top 10 of the year who knows uh um, i love it so. yeah i can't it's wait so it's so wretched <laughs> from uh, a film from you dan that should be higher on your list to a film from me that should probably be higher on my list it is higher on almost everyone else's in the world but at number nine i have everything everywhere all at once now i do love this movie but in terms of kind of personal taste it's a bit too rich for my blood i loved it at the theater like i was so so blown away by it at the cinema it's the closest artistic representation of how my brain works that i've ever seen like at one point the movie kind of calms down and i cried damn because my brain never calms down and sometimes all i want is for my brain to calm down it's why i make music and movies and comics and write books and draw my brain literally doesn't know how to shut the fuck up so on that front it is definitely worthy of a top 10 place because it was one of the best theater experiences of the year for me but i just haven't had any desire to revisit it for some reason like the idea of watching this movie again is too overwhelming it's like i gorged on cake for two hours and now i don't want cake for at least another year but yeah all of that 
said it's so clearly a masterpiece i can't not include it i'd put it on the same level as the matrix in terms of a film that combines so many things that i love to create an adrenaline spiking new form of entertainment so many ideas so much heart so so good everything everywhere all at once is at number nine of my movies of the year it's the white album of films it's fragmented but coherent with a lot of loud ideas jostling for attention with the quiet moments having the greatest emotional impact it overwhelmed me but i'm sure it will grow on me when i'm ready to give it another spin every decision we make has an impact we're stepping on butterflies with every step all we can hope is that the change we bring has a positive influence and a lasting legacy and i think everyone everywhere all at once will do that for sure but it's at number nine Dan, I imagine we're probably going to hear about that one from you at some point. Well, Sam, you'll have to wait and see. <laughs> excellent, excellent. You won't. It's not. It's not on my list. Oh wow! Holy um, shit! That really surprises me. Interesting. Yeah. Why? I enjoyed it. It's too long. Um... <laughs> you, you just said what I just said in you know two paragraphs in a sentence, but whatever. <laughs> I like that you've gone to America and now you're about to find out you've got terrible ADHD. Yes. What 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 you describe your experience of that film was a self-diagnosis. Oh wow, interesting. Oh, interesting. I'll have to look into that. Wow, what a what a end of year special plot twist <laughs> to be continued. All right. Well, what is your number nine of the year, Dan? Uh, number nine of the year is my first superhero movie of the list, Sam. I bet you were expecting that to come in earlier. What? Um, or later. First? It's, it's not really a superhero movie. It's not, it's not. It's also the only one. It's still the first one, but it's the, also the only one. <laughs> all right. All right. What have you got? <laughs> it's a, uh, a lovely Nordic film called The Innocents. This is uh, about a group of children largely left to their own devices because of fractured families, uh, difficult socioeconomic backgrounds, who start to realise that they have special powers. But they are young enough that they are dealing with it through the sort of wide-eyed, unfiltered innocence of childhood. I've realised over the last couple of years that one of the things that that sort of emotionally impacts me the best is children like being dismissed, not being given the attention that they need or the care that they need, being emotionally neglected. I often find that quite the gut punch. And the innocence is chock-a-block with that. Children of all types, of all backgrounds, dealing with the um, the onset of, of powers they don't understand and that give them power that they probably shouldn't have. It's not a superhero in any reasonable sense, but obviously given the current cultural landscape, it's impossible not to think of it in that context. And it's a really sort of blessed antidote to the sort of bombastic CGI filled multiplex fodder that we've we've all seen so much of and so many of us are getting a little tired of. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Ah, that sounds great. Yeah, uh, another one for my potential end of year VHS Quest list because I haven't even heard of it, Dan. Is is your whole list basically going to be things I've never heard of? Well, no, I, a no, because some of them are going to be films that you've I know you love, mm. but but B, I suspect you've seen the poster if nothing else. The uh, the poster is a is a it's really nice. It's a it's a young girl on a swing leaning. Oh backwards, yes, I have. The image yes, is yes, upside yes. down. Yes, yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I'll definitely add that to my watch list. Fantastic. All right. Well, at number eight, I have the Northman. Now, this, for me, is a, a fucking movie. I love Robert Eggers. I love Conan. And this felt like his take on that movie. The trailers made it feel more like Braveheart 
which I suspect is why not many people bothered to see it in cinemas. It felt like something we'd all seen before from the trailers, but the movie itself was a completely different beast. The mixture of brutal realism and surreal fantasy really exemplifies Egger's style, proving that even when he goes more mainstream, there's still art house weirdness at the core of what he offers. It's like a Bergman action movie filtered through Icelandic sagas, which I really got into after visiting Iceland a few years ago, and this really feels like one of those stories made flesh. It also has that feeling of historical authenticity, which Eggers always brings to the wooden table, meaning that no matter how strange things get, it's grounded in an identifiable reality, which is uh, one of the reasons I love practical effects so much, even though, you know, there's a fair bit of CGI in uh, in The Northman, so I don't know how it did on your uh, algorithmic list, Dan. But um, yeah, I really loved it. Everything, the score, the sound design, and Egger's eye just transported me into another world. I love revenge movies, especially ones that represent revenge as a poison in the blood. I felt like taking revenge in the past out of a sense of fighting a perceived deep injustice, but it always makes me feel worse. So one of the truest expressions is that the best revenge is living well. I just wish that Amleth had learned his lesson from Hamlet before going full berserker, but it's a lesson we can all take on board. The Northman, it's a joy. It's my number eight. Dan, what's number eight from you? Number eight from me is a um, very small budget British black comedy that I mentioned on the podcast after I saw it. It's called All My Friends Hate Me. Oh, yeah. I remember you uh, loving that one. Yeah, yeah. It's really, really good. It deals with the discomfort of feeling disconnected from a group of people that you used to feel ever so close to. Um, and it does it in that really fantastic, uh, sort of very dry, like classically British comic way. It's directed by Andrew Gaynard, who did quite a lot of Statlet's Flats. And it's co-written by its star, Tom Stoughton, as well, who you'll uh, recognise from British British TV. He was in Siblings, which I quite liked, a short run sort of sociopath comedy when those were the things that people were being made. Um, yeah, it was about people with... It was basically yeah. the British Always Sunny, wasn't it, Siblings? Yes, yeah, they had a very always sunny vibe, mm-hmm. which I really enjoyed. And he plays uh, a young man who is catching up with his university friends after a few years of not having seen them. He's going to a big birthday party at his rich mate's big house in the countryside. Um, his girlfriend is going to be coming along on the second day to join him. It'll be the first time that they've met her. And when he gets there, he just can't help but feel like everyone is judging him, like that everything is awful. And the thing is, it's essentially... Uh, Peter's Friends made as a horror film. Oh, man. Like, yeah. the tone of it, the language of the film is all horror. Um, it's about discomfort, unease. You you know that bit in Mother where she just wants people to leave her house? Yeah. It's that, but it's a feature film of that. Wow. Fantastic. Wow. Yeah, I definitely, definitely so, have yeah. to watch that as well, even though you have recommended it in the past. I haven't got to it, so... Um... I'm now starting to wonder if this uh, VHS Quest Top 10 or 22 is literally just going to be your list reordered because I haven't seen a single goddamn film on your list yet, Dan. You've seen the next one. Oh, and I'm wondering if you've seen the next one because uh, at number seven from me is Triangle of Sadness. Now, this one has moved around more than any other film on my list this year. It didn't want to stay still, but it's finally landed at number seven. I think it's moved around because it's actually an anomaly on my list this year. It's 
the only film on my list that doesn't have its roots in the past. Even Everything Everywhere, which is about multiversal time happening in unison, its central story is about decisions made in the past leading to regret. And Triangle of Sadness is very much in the moment and of the moment. It's the most current movie on my list, which shows how special it is. But whatever other obsessions I had this year, Triangle of Sadness was the exception. It's biting social satire. It's essentially this year's Parasite, with all of the structural delight and surprise of that movie. I do feel like it's underseen, even though it's been well-reviewed. Uh, like, I went on the opening weekend and there were two other people in the cinema with me, which was very concerning. Um, but it really does deserve more love. It has one of the best midpoints and such a perfect, perfect final shot. Screenwriters really need to see this one. It's so beautifully put together. I love the performances too. So much of Triangle of Sadness has really stayed with me in terms of the performances and I'm starting to think I should have placed it higher. So it's still moving in my list, in my mind. And yeah, ultimately, Triangle of Sadness is about exploitation and what happens when you take your workers or your employees for granted. It's very resonant in 2022. And um, yeah, it's at number seven of my list. Dan, Triangle of Sadness, how do you feel? Uh, I absolutely loved it. And the only reason it's not on my list is because I forgot to write it down. <laughs> <laughs> And I have been very distracted recently. Yeah, fair enough. But yeah, no, I really, really enjoyed it. It's fantastic. It's so fantastic. And what did you think of The Northman, actually? We didn't talk about that, perhaps for a reason. I like The Northman a lot. Yeah. I, I feel like The Northman was two different movies pushed together. Yeah. The movies that the producers wanted to make and the movie that Dave wanted to make. Yeah. I probably would have preferred both of those films. Interesting. I, I, re yeah. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. And I really, and every time anything was happening, I wanted more of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So every that time it sense. sort of shifted gear, every time it became a little bit more. That really um, makes sense, actually. Yeah. Like sort of mainstream. Yeah. I was like, no, I want more fucking dusty old corpses and Bjork and like craziness. I want more of Eggers's vision. Well, that's the and thing. Then... That I, I do think that enough of Robert Eggers is in the Northman. Like, from the trailer, I thought, oh, no, he's really... He's sold out. Like, what is this going to be? But then I was just captivated by it. I really was. I thought the mainstream elements really worked with, with his usual stuff. Um, so, yeah, no, but I can see... This is, I can it's see... his first film without director's cut, and yeah. I just wish he'd been allowed to make the version he was going to make. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, what's at, uh, number seven for you, Dan? Number seven for me is the first of two films on the list that I worked on, oh. but that I worked on in such a small capacity, <laughs> I feel I'm still allowed to include them in the list. Yeah. Okay. This is quite a big change. We'll just pop Triangle of This is quite a big change, but we'll pop Triangle of Sadness in. Well, <laughs> so, like, this is not why it's on the list. Mm -hmm. But a benefit of it being on the list is for me just to remind people to set the record straight about the level of my involvement in it. Because I feel that I've got to a point in my career now where people start to assume I did more than I did right. if I was one of multiple artists on a picture. Oh, I think I know what this is going to be. Um, yeah, yeah. And that's not fair. So This is a uh, Fright Fest movie, isn't it, Dan? It is, yeah. It's Jonas Gewurz's Hazard. Yeah. Nice. Which is a fucking rip-roaring, early, late career, Besson-esque ride, literally and figuratively. It's 
non-stop crazy self-imposed filming restrictions um fantastic script really really dynamically photographed great performances it's ostensibly a fight against the clock sort of scramble picture with some petty criminals stuck inside a showy motor that is taken apart around them as they leave it and return to it always with the camera staying within the car almost always with the with the camera staying within the car um i made a hand puppet for this film one single tiny moment in the movie everything else was done by very talented local artists i feel like i sort of accidentally occasionally steal their credit particularly with english audiences but yeah it's it's a it's a great fun film and i think everyone who saw it at the festival agrees i'm hoping that uh, everyone in this country gets an opportunity to see it soon yeah, absolutely. I think it, it wasn't on my list because I don't think it's had an official release in the UK or the US yet. So um, that was just a festival one. I don't one. care about these things. I know, I did. I, I, did I, got to, I got to five minutes before recording with uh, having accidentally included a film from 2020 on my list. <laughs> <laughs> what was that film? This is, it's all chaos. Uh, Kid Detective. Oh, wow. Yeah, Kid Detective was great. Yeah, yeah. That was a recommendation that you uh, made in the podcast that she followed up on. And uh, Shay and I really enjoyed that one. Yeah, really, really fun. Um, All right, well... Glad to hear it. Speaking of release dates, I'm going to be a little bit cheeky with my next one. At number six, it is Nightmare Alley. And that was a UK 2022 release, but a 2021 release here in the States. But I didn't watch it until this year. So I'm invoking the UK date to include it on my list. And I have to include it. It's my favourite Guillermo del Toro movie by a long, long way. This is the movie I've always wanted from him. It's a period piece that mixes horror, drama and emotion that doesn't feel hollow in the way that his movies usually do for me. I love Guillermo del Toro as a human being, but I've just never connected with his films until now. Um, Perhaps it's because it's about an entertainer, a mesmerizer who claws his way from poverty to success, only to find himself right back where he started. I think Del Toro's dealing with a primal fear of his own there, potentially, and he's delivering it with the skill of Hitchcock. Every frame is gorgeous, loaded with symbolism and intent, and every performance is pitch perfect. Even Bradley Cooper, who I'm also not normally a fan of, but yeah, the final moments of his performance are just fixed in my mind. It's a true, true masterclass. He's excellent throughout the whole film, but that ending is just so, so perfect. The film really knocked me off my feet, and I'm so glad I can include it as my top film in part one of our end-of-year list. It's at number six. So, Dan, what's last from you for this uh, section of our uh, celebration? It's uh, it's okay that we didn't get to include Kid Detective, uh, because this of all the films on my list, this one feels the most akin to it uh, in its sort of tone, vibe. It's a Blumhouse picture that's not a horror film. Oh, I know what you're going to say. I knew what you were going to say even before you said Blumhouse picture that's not a horror film. Can I guess? You can guess. Is it Vengeance? It fucking is. Yeah, Vengeance. this is great. Excellent. Oh, I can't wait to it's hear your great, thoughts on this. It's a great picture, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
it's it's really really good written by directed by and stars bj novak when you have one person doing all three of those things on a film you know it's either going to be great or terrible uh, in this instance it's great bj novak plays a nebbish new york hipster who is sort of guilted into going to the funeral of a an, a dating app hookup of his whose family have mistakenly thought that he was like a, a serious paramour of hers um there's a lovely bit of writing where he receives a phone call um, and they say, I'm sorry, your girlfriend is dead. His incredulity uh, to what they're saying is mistaken for grief and he finds it impossible to worm his way out of their um, demand that he comes down to this small town in Texas to, to go to her funeral. He travels down um, and uh after the funeral her brother reveals that he thinks that his uh his sister's death was actually a murder rather than uh, as it looks on paper a drug overdose and so novak's character decides as all white new yorkers would to make a podcast about it <laughs> yeah it's obviously you know referencing things like shit town and just the swell of crude uh, true crime podcasts as well as the sort of hipster end of of podcast culture as well but also you know it, it deals with some pretty well-trodden stuff like the the divisions of america particularly uh, you know as they are geographically and politically north and south but it does it very very smartly and it's a very satisfying thriller in its own right as well as as he digs further in he realizes that maybe not everything is as it seems in this tiny little texan town it's an absolute delight and it's very funny did it score highly or relatively highly with you on the the twist factor because while it's kind of obvious where it's going to end there's an element i'm really talking around this <laughs> but there's an element of the ending. i know i know what you're saying there's a there's a there's a moment yeah. where you're like oh fuck yeah 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 i mean it it got medium high yeah for that yeah yeah because i don't think it like a really good twist yeah. makes you re evaluate everything you've seen up until that point whereas i think this was merely surprising yeah uh yeah i'm not going to say anymore like it, it, we'll, it, it, we'll it talk feel... off mic but there, there's yeah. an aspect to yeah. it in terms of the foreshadowing that i thought was really excellent yeah. but um yeah we, we yes we, we... it's yeah it's very well structured it never it doesn't feel yeah. out of it doesn't feel out of place but it but it's not one of those ones where you're like oh fuck everything was leading to this moment yeah yeah it's all everything is nothing is as i as i thought it's not that i it's just very good writing yeah i i, I totally agree and um there was it's just good writing Sam. yeah <laughs> it, it's just good writing even more impressive as you say because it is a vanity project and uh those are very kind of hit or miss there's a lot of shot on video um vanity projects that are absolutely atrocious in an amazing way but uh yeah, this is a really good one. And can I ask a spoil a potential spoiler about the second half of your list? Do you have yeah, yeah, yeah. do you have nope on your list? I'll cut this if you do, but if you don't. No, I don't. Right. So, in that case, I've got a supplemental recommendation linked to Vengeance and actually linked to Nope because I had this ready to go in case you recommended either of these films. Dan have you seen All Eyes? No, I haven't. It didn't make my list, but it is a 2022 release. And it's basically like Vengeance and Nope combined. It's about a um, a podcaster, a kind of hipster douchebag podcaster, um, who has this show about crazy people in America, basically. And in the first scene, he talks to someone 
on a live stream that ends up committing a crime and he loses his job. But um, his producer gives him the box of crazy people, like all the emails and postcards and letters that have been sent in for potential episodes. And she says that your redemption might be in here. And he picks out one, or I think she picks out one. And uh, it's this farmer in the middle of nowhere who has a horse. And it all feels very nope because he's saying that there's um, a monster in the woods and he wants to capture it and kill it. And uh, he wants the this podcast guy to document the process. And yeah, I'm not going to say any more than that. But if you like Nope, Precious Arrowhead, and if you like Vengeance, and it's kind of a, a mashup of those two things. Very indie, very low budget. You can tell that one scene in particular is a, a reshoot. Based on dialogue that comes later in the film, it reveals that that, that thing was a reshoot. But anyway, I'm, I'm rambling to, to people who probably haven't seen this film. Uh, so that's meaningless to you. So all I'll say is all eyes. Uh, that's an extra recommendation in this half of the show. And uh, yeah, that's it for this time. Right, Dan? Yeah, that's everything. That's everything. All right, well, stay tuned. We'll be back with uh, more recommendations from 2022 in a couple of weeks. But until then, thank you so much for listening. And we promise to be thank more you. professional next time. Next time. Bye-bye. Oh, Sam? Yeah. Sam? Yeah. Are we going to do social media or anything? No. Fuck it. Bye. <laughs>